we have big news today. There's no uh, mistaking that. If I've got to make something up or I've got something new for you today, you need to get rid of me. We have uh, the news of Jesus' resurrection. It's big news. We're in a big room, kind of a big crowd all day today. It would be easy for us to have a big miss and not uh, grasp, see, experience, know that Jesus Christ has risen. And there's been one single prayer that I've been praying for this day in particular. And that is that every single one of us would see the resurrection as personal. That's really the big idea today. The resurrection of Jesus is personal. It's personal to you, personal to me. Pray that throughout the day that that truth would register in our heart. It's so personal, we're going to do a little bit of an exercise to teach us that. Under the chair around you or in the chair in front of you, I want to ask you to find this card that's marked Easter. But ask every one of us in the room to reach and grab a card. There's maybe a pen close by or you have one uh, with you. And today I want to ask you to take this card, every one of us in the room, and to remind us of how personal this day is. Would you do me the favor of putting your name there and completing that information? When you leave today, I'm going to ask you to drop these personal connect cards in the basket at the exits when you leave. My intent is to look at every one of these cards before I lay down to sleep tonight. I want to know who's here, and I want to know what God's done in your heart today in a personal way. And when you complete that information, just uh, put that under your leg or stick it in your Bible and and hold on to it for a little bit. But let the writing of your name, maybe even checking a box there, or if you're new to our church or down at the bottom, how you heard if you are new to our church, just to begin to make a point in our heart that today is personal. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. This falls in line with our study throughout the winter as we have seen the evidence that Jesus is king. And what we celebrate today is the verifying event that Jesus is who he claimed to be. That he has the authority that he claimed to have. And when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, it was the guarantee that he was the Son of God and the King of kings and Lord of lords. Look in Matthew chapter 28. I pick up in verse 1. Now after the Sabbath toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene 
and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ear, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. As we look through this passage, I want you to think with me, pray with me, about the personal nature of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the first thing I want to show you from this passage of Scripture is that the event of the resurrection is personal. The event of the resurrection is personal. When we're working through the Gospel of Matthew, we are introduced to a lot of different scenes that are recorded in history. Historical facts, historical events. And we know without a question as we work through any one of the Gospels that we have in them Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The good news about one person. The good news about Jesus Christ. They are the books that tell us about the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But scattered throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is not just the name of Jesus, but also you have the names of many, many different people. And as you get the story of Jesus himself, you also get the story of how Jesus became very personal to a lot of different people. And the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John give us the names of a lot of different people. 
They give us references to a lot of different people. They give us the stories of different people whose lives are affected and changed by the person of Jesus Christ. When you come to Matthew chapter 28, you expect when you open this story to be met. He's on the, he's on the cross. He has been buried in a tomb. You come to chapter 28, you think it's going to be all about Jesus. Chapter 28, verse 1, tells us what time of the week it was after the Sabbath. Tells us what time of the day it was toward the dawn of the first day of the week. And then the very next word. Two words that tell the name of a person and it's not Jesus it's Mary Magdalene as I read this account and certainly all of us we've read this account many many times it could be some in the room here today this is your first reading or first hearing of it of course but we are met here in verse 1 of chapter 28 of the resurrection of Jesus with this idea after the Sabbath toward the dawn of the first day of the week Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb as I read that a couple of weeks ago I just was struck and I haven't been able to get over the fact of how people were involved in the resurrection of Jesus the stories of the gospel want us to know Jesus but the stories of gospel also want us to know how other people's lives were affected by the story of Jesus and many of you here this morning have already shouted amen. You've already clapped your hands. You've already sung the songs because you are a living example of how personal Jesus Christ is to you. How personal the resurrection of Jesus is to you. But I want to trace with you just for a moment this event of the resurrection of Jesus and how personal it was see how personal it was for Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is a, one that we read about in the Gospels. We learn about her in Luke chapter 8. She was among a group of women that had begun to follow Jesus as he traveled around to different places and they were using their own means of income in order to support the ministry of Jesus and disciples as they went about. Luke chapter 8 tells us about some of those and speaks of those women, one specifically named Mary Magdalene, who had been possessed by seven demons and who also had been one who had experienced diseases or infirmities. And these women, one particular Mary Magdalene, had seen those demons exercised from her, cast out from her, and her infirmities healed. And she, you see her along the way traveling with Jesus. You see Mary Magdalene at the crucifixion of Jesus. You see Mary Magdalene witnessing where Jesus was laid in the tomb. And then you see Mary Magdalene gather spices and prepare herself to come to the tomb after the Sabbath in order to perhaps find the body and see the body of Jesus and anoint the body of 
Jesus. Then you find her here, and she's the very first one to witness the news, hear the news of the resurrection of Jesus, and then to see the resurrected Jesus. And when he speaks to her, and other gospels fill in some gaps for us, and she didn't recognize him at first, but when Jesus spoke, she turned and saw him, and she responded, Rabboni, teacher. And this passage in Luke in, in Matthew tells us that they, they, they took hold of his feet. And in another gospel, he says, don't cling to me any longer, but go tell the disciples what I have done. I want you to see that the resurrection of Jesus was personal to Mary. When the, when those, and when the angels saw Mary and asked her, why are you weeping? And another gospel says, because I cannot find the body of my Lord. It was personal to her. And then when she saw Jesus alive, she fell before him, grabbed his feet, worshipped him. Think of how personal it must have been. One who had been healed of her diseases and had demons cast out of her to now see Jesus risen from the dead. Think also with me how personal it would have been for Peter, Simon Peter. In Matthew's account, we see that the, that the women are told, go tell the disciples. But in Mark's account, when he gives the report of what they were told to do, you know what, you know what was added in Mark's account? In Mark's account, chapter 16, verse 7. It says, go tell the disciples, Mark 16, verse 7, go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Notice how personal the resurrection of Jesus Christ was going to be to Simon Peter. Why do you think that Jesus why do, why do you think that the angels said, and Peter? Because the last encounter that Simon Peter had had with Jesus was him what? Denying that he knew him. Three times denying that he knew him. And with Jesus having been resurrected from the dead angels go tell the disciples and make it personal make sure Peter knows that his denial has not been too much make sure Simon Peter knows that Jesus wants him to know make sure Simon Peter knows that the Jesus he denied is the Jesus that's alive. Make sure Simon Peter knows that he can see Jesus again. The resurrection is personal. Also, think about Thomas. We know him, one of the disciples. We, we know Thomas. Uh, along the way, we, we have given him a nickname, haven't we? We call him who? Doubting Thomas. Think about how personal the resurrection of Jesus was 
for Thomas. When Jesus first appeared to the disciples, Thomas was not there. But we're told in another gospel, in John's gospel, that Thomas said, unless I see the scars in his hands, unless I put my hand where the nails were, I will not believe. And Jesus comes and he stands in front of Thomas and Thomas sees the resurrected Savior. He sees the resurrected Jesus and it's as if Jesus cared so much about the personal condition of Thomas's belief that he made sure he showed up to let him see his scars, to let him see he was the one who had died, and to let him see that he was alive. I think about Mary Magdalene, how personal the resurrection was. For Simon Peter, how personal the resurrection was. For Thomas, who doubted how personal the resurrection was. But in Matthew 28, there's another name here that's mentioned, and it's none other than the name of Jesus. And for just a moment, we have to admit and acknowledge that the resurrection was most personal to Jesus Christ himself. Amen? Think about it. He left heaven. Philippians 2 tells us that he left the glory of heaven and he took on flesh. He became a man. He humbled himself. And he, he went in obedience to the cross. Hebrews tells us that he endured the cross. We've had the account that was read last week from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus had predicted what would happen to him he would suffer he would be tortured he would be beaten he would be stripped he would have a crown of thorns driven down over his head he would be nailed to a cross and that cross would be dropped in the hole there and he would hang there on the cross the account tells us that from the noon hour into the third hour on Friday that all of the air, all of the sky went black and dark and he proclaimed it is finished. And then later, Joseph of Arimathea would come and take him off the cross. And he would take him to his borrowed tomb and lay it there. Bury him. Roll a stone in front of that tomb. And there Jesus was. Dead. Dead. A sword had been speared into him. Verify his death. Silent Saturday came, but then the dawn of Sunday came, and Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It was personal for him. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. The event of the resurrection is personal. Secondly, see with me that the See, the effect of the resurrection is personal. The effect of the resurrection is personal. A survey in 2022 of Americans done by Lifeway Research found that in this survey that almost 66% of Americans surveyed believe, believe in the actual accounts that are given of the resurrection of Jesus. Think about that. Two-thirds of Americans surveyed in 2022 believe that a man named Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. But 
the survey sinks to great depths of those who believe that the resurrection of Jesus, even though it happened, has any impact on their life. Do you know why that is? Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ has not become personal to their life. They've not believed the effects of the resurrection. We celebrate today. We, we raise our voices. We sing our songs. We clap. We shout. We get here early. Why? Because we have experienced the effects of the resurrection. We believe that Jesus rose again. We believe it's important. But why is it important? Let me give you just three of these. One is for freedom. For freedom. The Bible speaks to us about the freedom that we have from sin. I want you to listen to Acts chapter 13 as this message is preached. In Acts chapter 13, we have this account where Barnabas and Saul are sent off and Saul is, uh, Paul is preaching the news of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 13, we're down into this sermon about verse 36. In Acts 13, as Paul preaches the word, he says, verse 36, Acts 13, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, it's referring to King David, Old Testament, he fell asleep, means he died, and was laid with his fathers, he was buried, and he saw corruption. That meant that just like any other body put into the earth, began to decay. King David physically died, was buried, and began to decay. Verse 37, but he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed. Everyone who believes in him is freed. That word is also translated, same word for justified. He is justified, free, justification. When we believe in Jesus Christ as the one who died on the cross to pay for our sin debt, and we confess that he rose from the dead, we have received Jesus Christ as our Savior. He who believes and confesses that Jesus is Lord, that he's risen from the dead, exactly what Paul is saying here. He says you have for forgiveness of sin. You have freedom from your sin. When Jesus went to the cross, he bore your sin. Your sin. And by bearing your sin, he bore the penalty of your sin. He bore, he stood between you and the wrath of God against sin. Without Jesus Christ, you and I are in the chains of our sin, the dead of our sin. We believe that Jesus Christ paid the debt for our sin. We receive justification. Our account becomes debt-free. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We sing that bridge from time to time. My chains are gone. I've been set free. Earlier in the week, Carl and I were in Puerto Rico for 48 hours looking at some places with other pastors uh, to see where some work could be done there and church planting. From time to time, uh, we, along the way, would 
uh, use a, a credit card to make a purchase. We'd stopped at a mall in Puerto Rico and I was in a line for some coffee there and I and it got time to pay and she told me the amount and I handed her a card and actually I stuck it in the machine and she was standing there looking at it and that machine goes beep beep and she looked up at me and said uh-uh and 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 I so I pulled it out and I she said try again I put it in and it beep beep and she said, uh-uh. And, and I, so I put it up, and I got out a different card. And I uh, tried tapping with that card. I tried sliding in that card. I slid it in, and she, she said, uh-uh. And, 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 I said, and I had one more card. And I got the third card, and I slid it in. And she goes, uh-uh. And, and I'm just looking at her. She goes, no, no, no. It's not you. It's, it's my machine. I'm like, yeah, it's your machine. It's got to be you. It's got to be your fault. It wouldn't be me. And then all of a sudden, that machine came up. And it just beat once. It says, please remove your card. I don't remember exactly, but I, know, I don't know what was on their machine. But I know what comes up on the machine here. Uh, in Watkinsville, it beeps and it comes up and it says one word. What is it? Approved. Approved. You know what it could say biblically? Justified. In other words, there is enough here to cover for what you owe. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, when we believe in him, we may want to say, not my problem. No, the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But when we believe in Jesus Christ as the one who died and rose again, and we submit our life before the Father because of what Jesus Christ has done in dying for us, God says, approved, justified, free from the death sin the resurrection of Jesus Christ verifies that freedom second we receive hope hope the Bible calls it a living hope a living hope first Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ how is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our living hope. Is that registered? How does it, has it registered to you that Jesus is your living hope today if you've believed in him? Here's, this, God opened my eyes a couple of years ago to this, and, and I always thought that's a phrase I'm supposed to get excited about, but not always registering a living hope. Here's what a living hope is. If you go to the doctor this week and the doctor does some tests and they come back into the room and they tell you we have some news for you and they share a diagnosis with you and they and, and let's just say they use the word cancer a particular kind of cancer and they tell you 
you have this cancer. It's one of the first things that's going to go through our mind. One of the first things that goes through our mind is this. Has anyone that's had this cancer lived through it? Has anyone who's had this cancer survived it? And a doctor may look at you and say, now I have good news. Because even though this is a rare cancer and this is a very difficult cancer, I want to tell you that there are some people that have had this cancer for 15 years and they're doing great. You know what you just received? Living hope. Living hope. In your mind you were facing death but you found out that someone had lived to defeat it. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and experienced death. The question is, can anyone survive it? And when Jesus rose back on the third day, what we received was the good news of a living hope. And for every one of us, when we look and know that death is imminent for us, we can look at death and say, it doesn't sting anymore. It doesn't defeat anymore. Because I know Jesus Christ, and he died and rose back to life. And because of my faith in him, I too will live forever. I have a living hope. I have a living hope. Go ahead, you want to? Clap. Do that. We have a living hope. We have freedom. And here's the third thing, we have life. We have life. John 20, 31, Apostle John says, I have written these things that you may believe and have eternal life. He wrote the story of a resurrected Savior. The effects of the resurrection are personal. The effects of the resurrection is it's our avenue of freedom from sin. It's our avenue of hope. It's our avenue of life. We can have eternal Life, because Jesus Christ rose back to life from the dead. Now, those who will feel the deepest impact of the resurrection fall in three categories. Those who will feel the deepest impact of the resurrection are those who have grieved. Anybody in here grieved? Every one of us. We've experienced some loss and when we grieve the loss, perhaps through death of a loved one, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have this hope that we will see them again because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Heaven is sweeter today. The resurrection is more powerful today to many of you because you're in the raw days of grief over the loss of those who've gone on before you. Those who feel the deepest impact of the resurrection will be those who have sinned. Anyone in this room sin? Every one of us, the Bible says. And just like Mary Magdalene, who just could not stop following Jesus after her demons had been cast out of her and her diseases had been healed, she knew the desperation of her own sin in her life. 
She showed up first. Listen, even when the disciples were not to be found, she was there at the cross and she was first to the tomb. The third category of those who feel the deepest impact of the resurrection are those who will die. And friends, all of us grieve. All of us have sinned. All of us will die physical death unless Jesus comes back. And in effect of the resurrection in the face of grief and sin is death. And death is this, freedom from sin, hope over death, life eternal. The resurrection is personal. And finally, I close with this. The expectation of the resurrection is personal. The expectation of the resurrection is personal. All the Gospels, all four of them, record the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus, in his closing days, never mentioned his death without mentioning his resurrection. The Apostle Paul said that without the resurrection, our faith is futile. Apostle John, these things I have written unto you that you may believe and have eternal life. You see, what I'm saying to you today is is that we're not just getting a history lesson for knowledge. We're getting a story of Jesus rising from the dead. And the expectation is that you would personally believe. You would personally believe in Jesus Christ. I want to go back to where we started this morning in that exercise of being personal. Would you find this card? A card that you'd already put a name on. This card, could you take that again? Find it, reach, grab it, hold it. You see your name there? I want you to take this card today and I want you to think about Easter and Jesus Christ. Is the resurrection of Jesus personal with you? Have you experienced the forgiveness of your sin? Do you have living hope? Have you received eternal life? Don't let this Easter pass by without it becoming personal to you. As a junior in college... The resurrection of Jesus became personal to me. It had been my parents' faith up to that point. It had been what I learned in Sunday school up to that point. But as a junior in college, on my knees in my apartment, I said to the Lord, I believe all the stuff. I believe all the stuff. I believe that you died and I believe you rose again. And I'm here surrendering my life to you. I want to live for you. And that day, the resurrection of Jesus, the living Savior, Jesus, became personal to me. I want to invite you today. Maybe you've had just Sunday school information. Maybe it's just been your parents' faith. Maybe it's been your granddaddy's faith. But today, in this room, it becomes your personal faith. How? By believing I'd ask you to bow your heads with me right now. And you could bow your heads before me right now and pray this. Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned. And I believe that you died to pay for my sin. Today I believe that you rose again from the grave. Tell him. 
I believe you rose again from the grave, defeating death, satisfying my debt of sin. I surrender. I want to follow you with my life. I want to believe. I want to trust you as my Savior. If you just prayed that, know with confidence that the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You have eternal life right now. Hallelujah. As we prepare to sing and go on through this day, I wonder if you might let me know about your personal decision for Christ today. Just mark it there under next steps. Today I trusted in Christ as my Savior. Maybe you know even as we prayed that prayer, you've done that before, but you've never made it public and you would be willing to follow the Lord or talk to somebody about being baptized. I want to invite you to mark that there. Maybe today you just want more information. I just need to talk with somebody about this. Would you mark it right there? Maybe somebody in this room has something you'd like for me to pray with you about. When you leave today, every one of us, everyone here, drop this card in the basket on your way out. Let the resurrection of Jesus Christ be personal. Let the resurrection of Jesus Christ be a glorious day of celebration. Let's stand in this room. Let's declare with joy and celebration what Jesus Christ has done in his death and resurrection.